Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to take a little side journey from the series I started last week. I had a series that I started last week called The Name of Jesus, Name Above All Names, and we're going to get back to that next Sunday. But with today being Father's Day, I just felt like, you know, we needed to do a Father's Day message. And, um, and so uh, that being Father's Day, I was really thinking about which route to go with this. And um, uh, I've titled the message today, Sporting Your Dad God Bod. Uh, how do you know what a dad bod is? How many of you don't know what a dad bod is? Look at me. Before, after. That's a dad bod. Uh, what is a dad bod? You know, a dad bod is actually, you know, um, it's, it's really, I, matter of fact, I even Googled it if, if there was a definition for it. And there's an actual definition for dad bod. Um, the, the, the definition for dad bod is it's a slang term in popular, popular culture referring to a body shape most particular to middle-aged men. <laughs> uh, you know, so that term's become a little bit, you know, interesting, uh, especially in the last couple years, p- folks talking about just their dad bod and getting their dad bod on. What does that mean? Well, it really is it's talking about just embracing your dadness, right? Uh, you know, for so many years, especially in the 70s, 80s, 90s, the culture was, you know, get fit, fight the battle of the bulge, Right? Um, but there's, there's almost a mentality behind the dad bod theme, uh, net word that or, or, or phrase of just embracing and just submitting to the chest of drawers disease that we all deal with as men. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you, you fight the battle of your chest falling into your drawers. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's a thing about a dad bod, you know, that just says to embrace that. And, you know, it's sort of funny when I, I, uh, Zach saw this title, he came home and he's like, what in the world are you, you talking about on Sunday morning? Well, really what I want to talk about is really this. I, you know, just as there's sort of a, uh, a trend in our culture today to resist the urge to fight, to stay like you're a 19-year-old fit trim guy, right? Or, or maybe in some cases here, 25, 30-year-old, right? Uh, there, there's this trend to just, just give up, just, just enjoy it, you know, go to the beach, let it all hang out, who cares, right? Just don't worry about taking your shirt off and everybody sees all the rolls and all that. Just, just have fun, right? Well, there's a, there's a part of there that that's resists that urge to say, but I want to fight. I want to I be something different than I am. Uh, and, and as I was thinking about that, I was really thinking about how that, there's similarities in when, uh, about a guy that will embrace his dadness, for lack of a better term. There are certain things about a dad that he just embraces and that everybody notices in his family about him. And if we'll embrace some of those similarities spiritually in our lives, then you won't just be sporting your dad bod, you'll be sporting your God dad bod. So that's where that, that comes from. So I want to talk to you about that. And so we find this encouragement in Scripture to sort of resist the urge to be something different than who we are. Because as a believer, how many of you realize as a believer... If you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what you may be acting like on the outside, some of the the cravings you may have even in your flesh, that's not the real you. The real you is who God made you on the inside the minute you accepted Jesus. And so really this whole message is about embracing a couple of qualities that I believe the Lord just would have me highlight this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, though. Let's read this verse, then let's pray. 
And let's just believe God for what he has for this morning. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed. I want you to notice that phrase. Do not be conformed to this world. So the world certainly pushes on us and tries to tell us who we should be, right? what we should look like, what we should act like, how we should be certain things. And so do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that uh, you love us. Thank you for all the dads that are here and, and, and all the godly qualities that, uh, in, that, that you represent through men in spite of ourselves. And just I thank you that as we take a look at a couple of those this morning, that it'll encourage us all spiritually to embrace some of those attitudes and attributes so that we're, uh, first of all, exemplifying who you are, uh, so that we're making space and room for you in our lives, and so that, there, that we've, uh, we're, we're in the best possible place for you to work through us to touch others. And so I just give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I said, you know, what I want to do this morning is really talk about some of the attributes of dads that you find in dads, sometimes humorous attributes that if we'll actually look at the core of what those attributes are, you know, how we can apply those to our lives spiritually, whether we're a dad or not, whether we're a mom or a child or a, a parent, whatever, right? We can take all those attributes and apply them to our life and we can live the kind of life that God created us to live. How many of you realize that when God created you and designed you, he made you in such a way that if you'll follow his instruction, man, it'll lead you to good things, right? And so that's what this message is about, how to do that. And so what's the first similarity between a dad and the God bod God wants us to represent? Number one is this, we need to resist the urge to try to be trendy and cool. Uh, you know, there's nothing, there's really nothing that comes off more worse, uh, uh, worse than, a, than a dad, especially to his kids, a dad that tries to be cool and tries to be trendy, Right? And what I mean by that is, you know, how many times have we seen, you know, a, a, a 40, 50-year-old man trying to dress like his kids, talk like his kids, use the slang that his kids use, right? Uh, you know, any kid would tell you that pretty quickly when their dad does that, what's the first thing they say? Stop, dad, you're what? Embarrassing me. Exactly right. So, so you know, the thing about real dads is, is they sort of resist the, ad, the, 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 the drive to be trendy or cool. I mean, you know, a dad is willing to wear, you know, the white tennis shoes and the black socks and the shorts and the shirt that doesn't match, right? Uh, that's just dad for you, right? The dad's willing to do the things that aren't necessarily cool to everybody else. And as I think about that, I think about the fact that, you know, that, that we're called as individuals, not just dads, we're called as individuals not to be trendy and cool. That may be something you, you may not want to hear this morning, but, you know, I think about this. I, I remember when I was a young man, I, there was a song about, you know, they used to sing at Christian camps about how, you know, we're the weird ones, basically, is what, is what it said. <laughs> and I didn't like that. I, I didn't like that. And the reason I didn't like that is because I wanted to be cool. How many of you want to be cool? How many of you think you are cool? <laughs> Let me promise you, if you raise your hand, you're actually not the cool one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But, I, you know, I, I used to hear that, and it used to really bug me because, you know, I was like, yeah, but I want to be liked. I want to be, be cool. I want to fit in. I, I, want, I don't want people to see me as different, right? 
Uh, and there's this tendency in all of us to want to be accepted, right? There's this, this tendency in all of us to want to be uh, liked by everybody. But when we really look at, the, at things, we really need to be more like dads that really are dads of their kids, where they don't care what they look like. They don't care what they think about. They're, they're willing to just be that goofy dad, right? Because they're embracing who they are as dad. And so that being said, we need to be the same way in our lives. We are not called as individuals here in this church, or if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not called to be cool. We're not called to be trendy. You say, well, I don't want to hear that this morning. But that's the truth. Notice 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Look at your people and say, I'm one of the special ones that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous night. Notice that we're called to be holy people. And I got to tell you, being a holy person sometimes requires you to make decisions that will not make you the cool one. It'll cause you to make choices sometimes that will cause people to step back and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, that may, right? They're different. They're special. And so we need to understand that we're called to be holy. What does holy mean anyway? What does it mean? Does it mean we walk around in white robes and, you know, we chant and meditate all the time? Is that what holy means? No, I'm not saying you have to be some freak or some weirdo, right, walking around in Jesus sandals with a robe on all the time. But what I am saying is, is that as a believer, we are called to be holy. And we need to recognize that. That word holy means pure, like God. Matter of fact, one scripture says, be ye holy as I am holy. Now, that's a pretty high calling, isn't it? Think about how holy God is. But we are called to be holy. As I, there, there needs to be something on the inside of us that resists the urge to be like the world and embraces the urge to be more like God. We're called to be holy. Another, another definition is the set-apart for godly serviced ones. So plainly put, we are not called to be like a wor the world. As a church, I think about this. You know, over the years as a pastor, you know, we celebrated a couple weeks ago, 22 years as a pastor, uh, as a church. And over the years, you know, uh, I, you know I've, I've, saw, I've seen the rise in churches and, uh, and, and mega churches and larger churches. And that's, that's a wonderful thing to see people committing their lives to Christ. And I would never down any of that, man. You know, sometimes people always, you know, you, you know the, are like a bunch of crabs, right, you know, in a bucket. You know, one tries to rise up and all the other ones pull him down. You know, and it's really easy to point the finger at somebody that's doing better than you are and find fault in them, right? So I'm not going to do that this morning. But, but I will tell you this, that over the years in pastoring, I've been challenged. I've been sort of felt the pressure of trying to uh, be trendy and cool, right? To, to change uh, everything in our church, even, even at an expense maybe we couldn't afford, and have smoke and lights and make this place look like a nightclub on Friday nights so that you couldn't tell the difference between it on a Friday night at the bar you go to and the church you go to on Sunday morning. See, a lot of trendy stuff goes on, and so we want to, and you know, I'm not down in that, but the reality is this, is if, if, you, if, if you're trying to be trendy and cool at the expense of you being holy, at the expense of you holding up in a standard that says this is who God says we are, that we're called to be different, then you're making a huge mistake in your life, not only in your life, but as a church. So why? Because trendy and cool won't get you to heaven. <laughs> and I owe it this morning to tell you that. 
I owe it to you this morning to tell you that no matter how much people like you on this earth, if you haven't accepted Jesus and, and chosen to follow after him in your life, that coolness, you can't say, well, they all thought I was cool. That ain't going to matter. Trendy and cool won't get you to heaven. And not only that, trendy and cool, when the rubber really meets the road in life, is not going to satisfy you. And it's a road that often can lead to destruction. See, he called us to be special people. He even uses the word in the King James, peculiar. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called to be weird. Now, I don't mean weird in the sense of, you know, weird. But I mean you stand out. That you make choices that cause people to say, wait a minute, that person's different. See, notice what it says there. We're called to be different. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18. Four verses, I'm going to read them to you. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and I will be their people. Now that's a profound statement, verse 16. I want you to think about that for a minute. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the God that created the universe lives in you and he even uses the phrase walks in you. That means wherever you go, whatever you do, you're taking the holy God of the universe with you. And it goes on to say, therefore, come out, therefore. Well, I said it last week, I'll say it again. When you see therefore, always find out what it's there for, right? Therefore, what therefore? Because you're the temple of the living God, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Notice what God calls us to do. He calls us to come out. Everybody say, come out. He calls us to come out, not to acclimate in. See, you know, some people misunderstand. That doesn't mean that you can't have friends that are non-believers. That doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that you can't be in the world and not of the world. But what it means is, is that the momentum in your life, the direction of your life, should be that you're headed in the direction of coming out of things that we would not consider holy. Instead of trying to figure out how you can fit in with things that we wouldn't consider holy. You know, Paul said in the word, he said, to the Jew I became a Jew, to the Greek I became a Greek. You know, so there is a, there is a truth to uh, relating with anyone in the world, but why did Paul say that? So that he could be cool? He didn't become a Jew to the Jew so he could be cool. He didn't become a Greek to the Greek so he could be cool. He became that so he could show them Jesus, so that in the midst of them, he could show them a difference. Here's a question I'd ask you this morning. As we talk about, you know, dads, they stand out sometimes because they're just willing to wear the outfit that doesn't match, right? When you stand amongst the people you stand amongst on a regular basis in your daily life, do you stand out? Can they tell you're different? Can they tell that this person's headed in a different direction than I'm headed in? 
Because if they can't, I'm telling you something. At the end of the day, this isn't about you getting under God's thumb. This is not about God controlling you. But this is about you fulfilling your purpose in life. This is about you walking into the places where you'll be most satisfied in life. And this is about you becoming the influence God wants you to be to the people that your lives are touching. Why? Because the lives you are touching right now, heaven and hell is at stake for them just like it was for you before you accepted Jesus. See, we have to recognize we've been called to be holy. We've been called to be the set-apart ones, the called-out ones, the coming-out ones. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. <laughs> that verse of Scripture tells us that when you hang around people that are not headed in the direction of being more holy that they're going to drag you along with you, whether you like it or not. And it says, don't be deceived. Why does it say don't be deceived? Because you know what? Sometimes we just think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Sometimes our mindset is, oh, I can do what they're doing. It ain't going to affect me. You've just been deceived according to the Scripture. That doesn't mean you, uh, you know, unfriend everybody you're friends with, but what it does mean is, is that there needs to be some decisions made in our lives where we stand out and we're different and it's clear I'm headed in a different direction so that our life is speaking a testimony to the world around us. Because i got to tell you something, your actions speak much louder than your words do. You can talk about Jesus, you can post Jesus all you want, but if you're headed in the direction that the world's headed, it means nothing to them. Carries no weight. Amen. See, the scripture tells us that we have to be set apart. Life presents circles of influence in which we live in. And that's unavoidable because of work, because of choices we've made. But in those circles of influence that we live in, we have to be willing to be, embrace our spiritual dadness. Where we dig our heels in and say, you know what, I'm headed in a different direction in my life. And I don't judge you for the direction you're headed in, but I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to live for him. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. Well, what's a wise man? Is it somebody that's you know, filled their head with a bunch of natural knowledge? No, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He who walks with wise men, he who walks with people that fear the Lord will become wise, but he, but the companion of fools, what do the Bible say the fools are? Fools are the ones that say there is no God. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart, there's, there's no acknowledgement of God in a fool's life. You see, some people say, well, yeah, you know, I, I think they acknowledge God, so I can hang. Love them. But I got to tell you, your friends, your close friends should be the people that are on fire for Jesus. And if they're not, you need to make some changes. Because you're headed in the wrong direction. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools, notice what it says, will be destroyed. See, here's the thing about it. God didn't tell us to not be cool. And to be honest with you, let me, let me rephrase that because, you know, the Bible says in the book of Acts there were men who came to this certain city and they turned the world upside down, right? Why did they turn the world upside down? Because I, it should have said they turned the world right side up. Because what the world deems as cool isn't necessarily what God deems as cool. So let's just change the terminology this morning. I'm not saying you need to be cool, uncool in God's eyes. You need to be cool in his eyes, right? 
And the reality is, is what it says is if you're, if you're the person that's trying to be cool like the world's cool, you're headed for destruction. Now see, that's, that's so important to recognize because, you know, as a dad, there were times in my life where probably I've come off as the uncool one to my kids, right? Times where I've made decisions. You, you, how, many, how many of you as dads have ever heard a kid say, yeah, but dad, so-and-so's doing it, Right? You know what my response was? I don't care what so-and-so's doing. I don't care about being cool to you. I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to embrace and be belligerent about being dad and making sure you know what the standard of right and wrong is, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think I'm cool or not, whether you think I'm domineering or not, I'm going to dig my heels in. Can I get an amen, men? Right? I need to be, we need to be willing. Why, now why do I do that? Because I don't like my kids. I don't want them to have fun. No, because I want to protect them. I want, don't want them headed down a path that's going to, because I got to tell you, I don't care how long you've lived in life, there's always something to be learned. Amen. Whether you're 18, you think you know it all, or whether you're 57 and you think you know it all. Always something to be learned. And so because there's always something to be learned, there always needs to be humility. I'm getting to my next point. But there's to be humility about us that says, you know what? I am going to submit myself to God's way of doing things because God's way of doing things, he's been around a lot longer than I am, so I'm going to follow him. Amen? See, Psalm, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 tells us this, that we need to choose to be holy. Why? Because God wants the best for us. It's not to put us under his thumb. It's not to take the fun out of life. See, some people, some Christians would stand up, well, you know, you live for the devil. It just, I got to tell you, I lived for the devil some in my life, and some of the stuff I did that wasn't holy and wasn't godly was fun. But there was a hook in it. I ain't going to lie to anybody this morning and tell you that some of the stuff we may be doing that's not holy isn't fun, but there's a hook in it. There's destruction in it. There's deception in it. It robs you of the places God wants to take you to. That's why it's important for us to dig our heels in, embrace our God bod this morning and say, I'm going to be holy. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. If you want to be blessed in life, and I'm not saying you're going to be the richest guy in the room. I'm not saying you're going to be the most popular guy in the room. But what I'm saying is if you want to be blessed in life and have a blessed life, choose to embrace your dad, God, bod, and live holy. Live holy. Be one that's coming out instead of going in. Amen? What's another similarity between the advice for dads this morning and sporting your God, bod? Number two advice. Number two advice is as a dad, I would encourage dads this morning to resist the urge to stop and ask for directions or read the instruction manual. How many wives, <laughs> I, see, I see the women laughing. How many wives have watched their husband, now this is before you had MapQuest, decide they know where they were going, but unwilling to ask for directions and drive around for 10, 15 extra minutes, lost, unwilling to admit that they needed to ask for directions? Or how many dads have set up on Christmas Eve putting together, I, I'm guilty of this one, putting together Christmas gifts for your kids and saying, oh, I know how to do this. Here's the, throw the instruction manual aside, do it on your own, you finish, and you realize there's four or five parts you forgot to put in it and it ain't working properly and you got to undo everything, right? 
Dads have a tendency to believe they know everything. Dads have a tendency to be that tough, staunch, traditional guy who's never wrong and who's always right. Right? Well, be not conformed this morning. Amen? Be willing to be a dad that recognizes that sometimes you don't always have to be Mr. Right Guy. Sometimes it's all okay to be I was wrong guy. Amen? See, a man who can't admit that he's wrong and, and, and can't apologize to the people that he should be influencing will soon find that the people around him are not interested in his influence. I'm going to say that again. A man who can't admit that he's wrong and apologize to the people that he should be influencing will soon find that there are no people around him to influence. I want to read to you a story that we often don't read in this light, but the Lord showed me this week to help you understand that it's really important as a man to be humble. That it's okay to resist the mold that I'm the strongest guy in the room sometimes. It's okay. Now, I'm not saying we need to be weak. Why? Because we need to be strong when it comes to being holy and standing for what's right and having our convictions. We need to be the strongest one in the room. But I got to tell you, when we've discovered we're wrong... We need to be humble enough to admit we're wrong. Luke chapter 14 and verse 8 says, When you are invited to, any, to buy anyone to a wedding feast, now just read it, take it on service value. You're going to be like, where does this fit in? Just read it, and then I'm going to explain it to you. It says, when you're invited to anyone, to, when, you're invi when you are invited, let me get that right, by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place lest one more honorable than you be invited. Now, I want you to understand, when Jesus told this story, he's not telling you party etiquette. You realize that, right? There's a truth in it. He's not just telling you how to behave when you go to a party. When he says in verse 9, and he who invited you, and, and he who it says, lest one more honorable than you be invited in, and he who invited you and him come in, say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when you're invited, you come. So he who invited you come may say to you, friend, go, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. See, now when we read that verse, we think that means when we humble ourselves, because there is a verse of Scripture that says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up, right? But in this story, he ain't talking about God exalting you. If you read it in context, he's saying that people will exalt you when you humble yourself instead of trying to usurp your authority that does your God-given right as a man to have. Right? Bless God, I'm the head of this house, and you're going to do it my way. Well, you can say that all day long, but you'll soon find that the people that you're trying to influence, although they may live in fear under your thumb, truly won't embrace the influence that God wants you to have. See, what he's saying there is, is if you recognize that there's a position of authority available for you, a position of honor available to you, humble yourself around the people that are around you and serve them and love them and care for them and lay down your life for them like a good dad does. And when you do that, in, not in perfection, right? They will exalt you to that place of authority. They will lift you up and they will want to hear what you have to say. 
It gives us insight into how we as men and as dads should live our lives and lead our families. i got to tell you, there have been many a times in my life where I've usurped my authority as a man. My dog, I love my, my, I got, you know, Father's Day gifts this morning. I got a, I got a card from uh, Remy. She's my middle daughter. And, and, and how many of you have middle kids? Anyway, the, the card said, uh, thank you, Dad, for, and there was one phrase that said, your gentle instruction, and she crossed out gentle to be funny. <laughs> gentle lessons. Okay, gentle lessons. Attention to detail. I was wrong, honey. Forgive me. But she was trying to stress to me that, Dad, you haven't always been the most gentle. And I can tell you, even to the point of not being a good dad, I've been, I've been str stronger than I should have been at times. But I'll tell you one thing I have tried to do in my life because I recognize what God calls me to do with him, so I need to do it with others. I have always been one that walked away, and as regret began to set in over the way I handled that situation, quick to go back and bend my knee, not physically, but bend my knee before my children and say, I am sorry I did that the wrong way. I treated you the wrong way. I didn't treat you like God wanted you to be treated. And i got to tell you, because of that, even in the lives of the most strong-willed kids that I've got, they're willing to listen to me at times because they recognize that I am not Mr. Know-it-all and I don't get it right all the time. Amen? See, as a part of humility is the ability to admit when you're wrong and ask for forgiveness. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or your child or your wife or anybody has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come off of your gift. What's it saying? It's saying if you recognize you've hurt somebody, go apologize to them. And that includes, you know, there's this tendency in dads. That's why I said, you know, as a dad, you need to resist the urge to feel like you have to be Mr. Strong Guy, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Right Guy. There's this tendency in a man that if I do that, I'm going to come across as weak. If I do that, I'm going to lose my position of authority. But what you actually wind up doing is embracing a godly principle that increases your authority with those individuals. Be willing to say you're sorry as a dad. You know, I've made lots of mistakes. <laughs> come on, kids. You could have said a real hearty amen to that, Zach. I've made lots of mistakes. I've yelled when I shouldn't have yelled. I've let ungodly words come out of my mouth when I was mad with my children at times. As your pastor. <laughs> I've walked away and said things I wish I'd have never said to my children. But I've always been quick to go back and say, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Now, that doesn't mean that's a, a, an excuse to just keep repeating the behavior. You need to work on that, right? Get it fixed i got to tell you, in the earlier days of, as, a, as, a, as a dad, I, I remember getting a book on anger. So I could work on my anger and my frustration because I was taking it out on my kids because they were a pain in the neck and doing things I didn't want them to do. <laughs> but I had to work on that, Right? And so we need to be willing to resist the mold of this guy that's always right and always a strong one and be willing to, yes, stand for what's right, live for what's right, but also be willing to say, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all, notice this, with, this is the calling. We want to talk about the name of Jesus and the authority. We got those things, but notice this. 
with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Notice, we've been called to be humble and lowly of mind, even as men, even as leaders. And that goes for all of us. We need to be willing to say, I'm sorry. There may be some of you here that are living with regret, whether it's as a dad, whether it's as a mom, whether it's just a relationship you had, and you're living with regret over the fact that you didn't do things the way they should have been done. I was, I was thinking about that this morning, and I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me. Don't let regret not serve its purpose. You know, sometimes we think of regret as a bad thing. Or you could say the positive of that. Let regret serve its purpose. When you regret things and when you're, uh, you feel like you, you wish you had done things, there is a purpose that God has given for that regret. And it's not to be carried around like a bag of guilt for the rest of your life. It's not to be carried around feeling bad for the rest of your life about all the bad things you've done. i got to tell you, if that was the case, I wouldn't be standing here preaching to you this morning because i got to tell you, I have not been the example I needed to be at times, especially with my red-headed anger with my kids. But you can't allow regret to hold you back, but you need to allow regret to do the things it's designed to do in your life. What is that? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10, for godly sorrow rep produces repentance. When you regret something, that's nothing different than sorrow over something, right? And godly sorrow is the ability to recognize that was wrong, so I need to go apologize. Even if it's to someone that, well, well, if I apologize to them, they were below me. They might think they're above me now. That's all right. See, a man that can apologize or a person that can apologize and say they're sorry recognizes something about God. Ain't nobody going to take your position that God has given you. They're just not. <laughs> right? So recognizes that I can apologize and God will just, he'll take care of it. For godly sorrow produces repentance. And so we need to allow regret to have its work. We need to allow it to, okay, let's deal with it. Let's go say I'm sorry. And then guess what? Once you've said you're sorry, whether they forgive you or they don't forgive you, that's on them. But then lay down that bag of regret. Lay down that bag of guilt. Stop feeling bad about it and recognize you're forgiven. You've done what God's asked you to do and move forward. Right? And so I'm encouraging you this morning that if you want to embrace your God, dad, bod, then be willing to admit when you're wrong. Be willing to say you're sorry when you need to say I'm sorry. As the musicians come, one final way we sort of sport our dad, God, bod this morning. Be willing to embrace, as they're coming, don't let's distract you. Be willing to embrace that enough is never enough. What do I mean by embrace enough is never enough? What comes to mind, how many of you guys have a favorite movie that you like to watch? One, I'll tell you what comes to mind for me, Tombstone. My kids would tell you that. My wife would tell you that. It's saved on my DVD, DVR, or whatever you want to call it nowadays. I don't know, whatever Cox calls it, I don't know, or Dish TV calls it. But I, I got to tell you, it's setting on my, and if it comes on television, I'm watching it. And my wife shakes my head and says, how can you watch that again? Don't you, isn't enough enough? How many, have you, how many been there done that? How many of you dads have the same dumb dad joke that you've told for the last 
however many years you had your kids, over and over and over again. And when you tell the joke, the kid shakes their head and says, Dad, would you please stop? Enough is enough. Kids, McKinley, Zach, what's the name of your favorite? Booger, exactly right. We're riding along in the car even now. I'm riding along, and they're just quiet in the car, and I'll go, what's the name of your favorite? Booger. God, Dad, stop. Do you like it coated with sugar? Dumb dad joke, right? How many of you have sort of a, a little prank you like to do to your family all the time, and they get mad about it, but you just keep on doing it? And enough so that they're like, enough is enough, stop it. Dads have this capacity of just not knowing when enough is enough sometimes. Because it's just so much fun. Now I'm not telling you you need to needle and rib and advocate, you know, make your, your, your family just nauseous from your stupid, stupidness. But I will tell you what, there's a truth in not knowing when enough is enough. We have a culture where there are just far too many quitters. Far too many people that are quick to say enough is enough. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 says, You therefore must endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We are encouraged to have a little intestinal fortitude as the people of God. We are encouraged to be people that are not willing to give up so quickly. We are encouraged to be people that have just plain old good old-fashioned guts, Right? We have a culture, though, that, that doesn't embrace that sometimes. We need to be people that recognize that when many people say it's time to throw in the towel, it's time for us to lace up our gloves. See, I'm not saying that there's not time at different points where things need to change, but I will tell you this, often change is necessary, but quitting isn't. See, there's a difference in change and quitting. Right? Change is making a strategic choice to do something differently. Quitting is giving up on something. And i got to tell you, there are times to change things that may not necessarily mean that there are times to quit things. i got to tell you, as I pastor this church, there have been many opportunities to quit. But I'm just a dad. I'm just too stupid to know when to quit. I just keep on tweaking, keep on changing, and I ain't figured it out yet. But you can count on this about me as a pastor. I ain't quitting on you. I will be here until Jesus tells me to go somewhere else, and I don't anticipate him telling me to go anywhere else. We need to be willing to be people that aren't willing to quit so easily, to give up on things. Change is necessary. Listen to this. Change is necessary when present circumstances that are beyond our authority to change require you to compromise godly values or endanger you spiritually, physically, or mentally. If you're in a situation where it's beyond your control and you're being endangered by it, right, or you don't have the authority to change it, then sometimes it's time to get yourself out of that situation. That's, that's a change that needs to take place sometimes. Change is necessary sometimes when God is leading us to change. And change is always necessary when we're repeating the same behavior over and over again and getting the same results. That's the definition of stupidity. You keep doing the same things, keep getting the same results, well, it's time to make a change. Right? But just because you change doesn't mean you need to quit. 
Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary. You know, sometimes life, sometimes life can be hard. Sometimes life can be challenging. Sometimes life can beat upon us. And we may want to quit life. We may deal with suicidal thoughts or depressing thoughts. Just because you're going through a tough time doesn't mean it's time to quit. It means it's time for a change. It says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. What is he saying? Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Keep trying. Keep striving. Keep tweaking. Keep changing. Because if you'll keep trying and keep after it, in due season there will be a reaping. Amen. See, staying with it may not always be the fun part. And that's, that's just something I think that every generation has to learn. Sticking with the uncomfortable moments, paying your dues and earning your licks may not always be the most fun thing. But sticking with it always produces results if you know God's called you to do it. Psalm 30 and verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I think if the psalmist was saying in modern day terms, he would say, the grass ain't always greener on the other side of the fence. See, what that verse is saying is that uh, that is not always the answer. The real answer is sticking with God, doing what God, living holy, being humble, living that way. When you live that way and you stick with it, it may be hard right now. The season you've got to walk through in your life right now may be tough, but the sweetness that comes from the victory that comes after that is far greater than the greener pastures you could have jumped to. Water tastes the best when you're thirsty. <laughs> Food is the most satisfying after you've hungered. You ever ate when you're not hungry? Oh, oh so, you just cram it in. It don't taste as good as it did the moment you were starved. You sit down, you get that first, oh. You know, somebody could serve you the worst plate of food, but if you're hungry, it's great. Right? Sometimes our sweetest moments in life come after we've persevered and seen something through to completion. We have to be willing to know when enough isn't enough and embrace it. So I want to encourage you this morning. Embrace your God bod this morning. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed this to this world, but be transformed. I want to encourage you, as a dad is willing to just be a goofy dad and he doesn't care what anybody thinks, embrace who God has called you to be. Be holy because he is holy. Be humble and quick to learn because that's what Jesus was willing to do. And be tenacious and not a quitter because that's what he did for us when he went to the cross. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.